Good morning, good afternoon, good night. It's Xavi. If you know me, I'm happy you're here. If you don't, I converted a moving truck into a tiny home amidst the pandemic, gave up my place, and hit the road. Starting in Vancouver, I drove to Miami and realized that there was too much adventure not to share. So to fill you in on my journey, the Play On Foundation presents the Two Degrees Podcast. Why two degrees? Because I'm now a snowbird and escaping two degree weather. I built the truck wrong and the majority of the weight is on the passenger side, so we're tilted at two degrees. But also, I'm going to catch up with industry professionals who I'm glad to call friends and bring you two degrees of separation away from them and what they do. So, welcome to the Two Degrees Podcast, brought to you by the Playon Foundation for Neurological Research and Brain Aneurysm Detection and Prevention. To learn more about the Playon Foundation, check out www.letsplayon.org. But for now, enjoy the show. But first, a quick word. Do you like mangoes? <laughs> of course you do. And if you don't, well, I'm sure there's a high chance you might know someone who does. Well, the Two Degrees Podcast is sponsored by Peeled Fruit. No, not just random fruit that's been peeled, but the children's book about a mother's love language of peeling mango for her baby. Available for delivery on bookbaby.com, bookshop.org, Barnes & Noble, Powell's, and Amazon, just to name a few of the retailers. It even ships worldwide. Check out at Peeled Fruit Book on Instagram for more information on how to get your copy of this heartwarming story. Peeled Fruit, illustrated by Rhoda Domingo. <laughs> cool. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Two Degrees Podcast brought to you by the Play On Foundation. Today's guest, I had the pleasure of meeting her. One of the first people that I met when I moved out to Vancouver, and it was just so fun to meet somebody who's on the same trajectory to booking bigger and better things every single freaking time and so everybody it's Yvonne Chapman hey guys hi (laughs) oh my god you actually were probably one of the first people I've met when I moved here because when did did you move to Vancouver um I want to say it's either 2017 or 2018 okay whenever whenever take two was okay take two oh okay so uh I moved here like just over seven and a half years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that was 20, maybe like 2015, 2016, mm-hmm. something like that. Wow. Or 2015. Yeah. Wow. Well, You've been here for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, you came after me then. Yeah. Yeah. And um, just saw posts, saw that you're an- another actor in the city and I was like, hey, what's up? Yeah. And... I'm really grateful for that because I'm... <laughs> I'm no honestly like I'm really terrible I'm really gun shy when it comes Mm. to connecting with people because I feel like oh who am I like they probably don't want to know me but when someone reaches out to me I really appreciate it so I'm kind of a hypocrite that way Mm. no well with that Uh, now like what's what's it like when because I'm sure you're getting a lot of people messaging you especially for like kung fu and all that stuff what's what's that been like I so again I'm horrible at social media and I don't check the messages that um like you know how they filter those requests Mm -hmm. on the side i i'm really bad at checking them so sometimes i miss 
some mm. messages and follows or whatever because I'm just so bad at social media and I say that because it's like I just don't go on it very often yeah. um, I try to do as much as I can to you know promote the projects and and support the people that I you know obviously care and love about um, and that's what I use it for but then outside of that for my own personal use I'm like I don't know um, so I've missed some stuff and I felt really bad like the other day I was looking at my requests I'm like I should check them because sometimes things filter through mm. there and um, one of the lovely directors uh, from this season in Kung Fu messaged me. I'm like, oh, shit, I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah. it went unseen for months and mm -hmm. I look like a jerk. So anyway, um, that's how it's like. Nice. It's just if I've not messaged somebody back, it's really it's unintentional. I, I'm just there it is. This it. is this is why we did this episode for that yeah. formal apology for everybody. I'm very sorry. <laughs> Well, with that now, so let's start on that kung fu. Mm -hmm. um, what's what was that like first booking it? Mm -hmm. But then also, what was it like channeling your inner villain? <laughs> okay, so booking it. I mean, I booked it during the pandemic, so it's just by self tape. I thought you, you booked it before. I thought you guys finished the first season. No, so they. What happened was I was also a recast. Ooh. So they, during the first time that the world shut down, mm -hmm. March, when was that? March, oh my God, almost three years ago. Yeah, 2020. Yeah, I was not Jalan, somebody else was. Um, mm. And then for whatever reason, as these things go, um, there was a recast in that. So when they came back to film the pilot again, when things start to open up, I think it was in September, October, mm -hmm. um, I got the call for the self-tape. And then so I taped it, got some notes, retaped it. And then it was about like, I don't know, two, three week process before yeah. I actually booked it. Um, but during that time, I mean, I was actually ready to go back to Calgary uh, to go visit family and stuff. And as these things go, when you book a trip, you book something. Yeah. That's kind of yeah. the saying in the acting yeah. circle. So that's what happened. But I was really thrilled because I got the breakdown of it, saw what the story was, mm -hmm. uh, saw what the character was and how badass she was <laughs> and but more than that too like even besides for the initial audition she they already got right into her tragic backstory hmm. so i'm like cool this isn't a girl who's just going to show up and be the villain mm -hmm. you know like this is somebody i can actually sink my teeth into um so i was i was thrilled just to mm -hmm. do the audition as we kind of have yeah. to think of it right because we audition more than we work yeah. and so you just take the audition as a work and as the yeah. fun process of yeah. it and that's what I did. And so luckily, I, I tell everybody that too, where it's like, when when I meet actors that are like, I can't wait to work, can't wait to, to be on set and work. And I was like, well, that's not work. That's playing. When you're on set, you're playing. Mm. And the real work happens for the audition. And it's as simple as the work is committing to a choice, having the confidence to commit to a choice. Because when you're on set, and I've, I've done this too, where I kind of take the shortcut sometimes and I'll ask the director or ask the writer, what did you mean by this? Right. How should I play this? Whereas if you, in the audition, you got to make that choice yourself. And then that's where you need to just be confident in what you're going to put on tape and be happy with it. Yeah, and I feel like the work like personally for me the work is all of it mm -hmm. um because it's just a progression from the audition to being on set and mm -hmm. then being on set having that also having that confidence too to say 
I would love to try to play with this yeah. and having the, making those choices for those characters um, to really collaborate. And luckily it's like when you're working with a great team like on Kung Fu, it's like they're always open to that kind of collaboration and that, and that back and forth. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. It's you start the work when you get the sides mm -hmm. and then keep on working. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. even when you're on set, there's nothing guaranteed that you're not going to be pulled out from that set. So always continue also to be grateful mm -hmm. for, for being there and, mm -hmm you know, being kind to everybody and just showing up every single day, like fully prepared and mm. ready to, like you say, play. Yeah. Cause that is our work. That's what we're paid to do is to show up and yeah. really give it our all, you know, what's been your experience with that world of getting the rug pulled underneath you? Oh God. Like you mean when you're so close to something and then they're like, Oh, so it's like, I, I have this theory where every actor is going to go through the exact same things mm -hmm. and it usually falls in line with things that you would get excited about so the first one typically being the actor role that you're so excited for and you tell everybody about it and then the scene gets cut <laughs> oh no <laughs> and then to the to the degree of you being the top two choices for a project and then it going to somebody else or the recast like that one hurt for me was was the first time I got recast and I was like because I was so excited I was and they're about to go to camera like the next week oh, shoot. and then I got a call they're like oh they're, we're gonna go in another direction it's like ah and I was trying to be so quiet about it the entire yeah. time. Yeah. And then on that weekend, I like posted something about so excited to get to work this week. Oh, shoot. <laughs> and then literally the next day, like they decided something else. And I was like, wow, I never deleted a post so quickly in my life. I am really actually quite superstitious when it comes to that now because hmm. of that reason. I will not mm. tell anybody that I book something unless they're my family and they need to know for to see me scheduling mm. purposes, things like that. I just don't tell people until I get to set. Yeah. Because I don't even I don't me. even tell people until the project has been is on screen. Yeah, because yeah. you never know, right? And and that's just the nature of the business and it, it's it's this level of acceptance that I mean, I think the most helpful thing for me has been looking what happens behind the camera. Because so uh, more often than not, it has nothing really to do with you personally. It's a creative choice or it's a budget choice or whatever it may be. And that really helps with the rejection of it, so mm. to speak. Because, I mean, yeah, I, it's happened to me too. And I just always have to remind myself, especially when you actually look at the project after, because it doesn't hurt too much for you to do yeah. that. You know, like if you've been recast or like it didn't go through or whatever, and you once you heal <laughs> from that rejection you're like okay fine I'll take a look at the project and see what what happened and who they actually cast and whatever mm -hmm. um and then you look at it you're like okay they made a the right choice like I can say that I, I felt that way and I could say whatever whatever was meant for you won't miss you and whatever yeah. misses you was never actually meant for you and then it opens the doors for other possibilities and other things to come your way and to just have that as your grounding fundamental base level hmm. for that rejection which we go through more than 90 percent of the time I think has been incredibly helpful for me anyway to know that and to have the faith that something else will come up mm -hmm. um I, it does not hurt any less I understand <laughs> sucks what was your growing process like mm. to get to this point of 
being able to accept that rejection? Really feeling the rejection first. There was, so I was really naive when I came into the business. Hmm. I, I did not do anything similar to it before. So I came in from a different industry, came into this completely green. What were you doing before? I was doing finance before. And I know people are probably <laughs> sick of me saying that. And I'm sick of hearing myself say that, Fair. to be honest. But um, yes, yeah, so, so I worked in a different um, profession before, but coming into this, <laughs> it's, again, it's one of those things where it's so different in a corporate job where you, you get an entry-level position and you put in some sweat equity and hard work. And yeah, you're more, you're expected to move up a level, right? You're, you are rewarded for that. Mm. Whereas in acting, it's like, you can put in so much sweat equity and hard work and for whatever, whatever reason, it just doesn't quote unquote happen for you. And that's kind of the set standard that people think of as an actor, right? Yeah. Where people they'll, they think there's a progression. Oh, you did an actor role. So that must mean you're going to get a bigger role next time. Oh, you did the bigger role. So that means you're going to get a lead next time. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you did a lead in a TV show. That means you're going to get your own movie now. And it's just like, no. no. <laughs> but that's an inherent problem with it is that why do we measure our success based on that um, fallible progression mm. that's been put out there? I don't know who said it. And it makes sense, obviously. I think that's how we all want to think of it, right? Mm. In any profession that you do, but any profession that you do, that's never a guaranteed anyway. Yeah. Um, more so in a, you know, a corporate life, of course, and an acting life. But regardless, I came into it thinking like, okay, I'll just work for a year at mm. this and really try really hard. And I'm sure I'll book something. And it's like, no, that yeah. that's not how it works. Like yeah. the artist life is like, you got to pay your dues. People have to get to know you. You got to one, understand like what the hell it is that you're doing and build a craft and build a skill before mm for anything really before anyone's willing to put some money behind you and hire you. Yeah. It is a business at the end of the day. Um, so I came in really naive and that kicked my ass at first and uh, thinking, you know, I worked really hard and I still work really hard, but I do it now more for myself than it is to try to progress at a certain um, level, so to speak, or by level, I mean booking something yeah. because booking that's completely out of my control, but I can control how good I am. I can Mm -hmm. control how good I feel about my own work. And as long as I'm doing that and I see progression in myself, that's really the only measurement that I can take. And that's how I measure success now. It's not the measurement of like how big my projects are, what the next level is or whatever. I have a team to worry that about that for me. And for me, it's like, okay, I understand that business aspect of it. Now I've got to compartmentalize and put forward how I feel about what I'm doing. Hmm. Um, which took a really fucking long time to get to though. So then what was it like before then where we're back in your early days mm-hmm. and you're coming in as naive as you did and you got an audition, you did the audition and then you realize you didn't get it. Where would your mind go? Oh, a spiral mm. like of self-deprecation. Wow. Um, of really beating myself up for it thinking like oh, I just suck I'm not good enough what do I need to do trying to compare myself to other people which in this game mm. does not serve you um and then on top of that having almost like a scarcity mindset of like well I'm also an Asian woman and that's going to be really tough for me and there's only so much room to go around luckily that went away really quick because I found some really good people in Vancouver you included some other you know friends who you know of um, that we never, we just supported each other. Mm-hmm. We just saw what the game was and said, okay, we're not going to be pitted against each other, even though we're made, meant to feel that way. That is not, 
that's not going to serve any of us. So let's support and uplift each other to try to get us out to the forefront because there's a bigger picture of what we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's to get our faces out there and have people who look like us and are from our similar background feel that it's possible. Right. Um, So yeah, it, it just, that for me, I remember there was a stint in the first year or two where like, I could not get out of bed for like three weeks. Wow. Yeah. It was, it was tough, like emotionally and mentally, because I gave up a lot. Like I gave up my whole other life. I drove from Calgary, packed up my Honda Civic and drove the 11 hours here and moved back into like a basement apartment and then took the jobs I used to take in uh, university, mm. you know, um, and I was actually really happy to do that. And then when the reality hit of what this business is and how hard it is, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And then Mm. there was just a stint where I just needed to feel that I needed to be in that rut to be like, okay, but now I got to pick myself up. You feel, you feel sorry for yourself. You're allowed to do that once in a while, but you got to keep going. And um, it's really just for the love of what we do that I kept going because as you Mm. know, it's hard. Right. Yeah. Was there anybody that like, a main source of motivation were were you reading any books at the time that helped you garner that because that when you get to that place it's it's either one of two things you're going to quit mm-hmm. or you're going to keep going mm-hmm. so what pushed you in the direction to keep going um the continual work it wasn't anybody specific um it's going to sound corny but it was just honestly it was just like it, the love of it was greater than my fear of failing mm. and the love of what I was doing and how, how great it felt to be able just to be in class yeah. to work um, was what really kept me going because I would always go back to like, man, this is, this is everything for me right now. And if I can just keep tapping into that energy, then I'm okay. I can keep on doing this because mm-hmm. that was greater than anything else that I feared or felt sorry for myself for, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I always, I don't want to say it was very at like anything in particular to acting, but, um, I'm constantly like, I'm a podcast junkie. I love, I love just reading and learning about all this different stuff when it comes to, uh, just perspective of life, of health, of wellness, of that, all of that. Um, so I'm continuously like having things in my ear. So I can't really pinpoint it down to one thing. It's probably, mm. it was a myriad of things. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing that's always coming grounded though is journaling. Nice. Okay. And I see a journal right there, so I'm sure yeah. you do it too. I I have so many journals yeah. going, and it's like my I guess dilemma when it comes to journaling is where am I going to journal? Am I going to write it out because I have a, a folder of oh, journal on notes on my computer, yeah. and then I have the book that I like writing in sometimes, and then I have um, notes in my emails. Oh. So like I'll compose emails and then I'll just save them. Hmm when I'm not by my computer or the book. And so I have like these three forms that I can journal in, but then sometimes I'm just like, I want to journal in my book. Yeah. Or I think this is a journal that's appropriate for the computer. And it's yeah. like, it's, 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 it's strange thing, yeah. but there's a, there's a particularness when it comes to my journaling. Have yeah. you ever looked back and has anything really surprised you? I, so what, I have another journal. I have a fourth one where it's like, it gives you prompts. Hmm. And the cool thing about this is it gives you prompts for every day of the year for five years. Oh, so after you finish the year, you go back. Okay. And then you fill it in again. 
and so you can see the last answers that you did. Oh wow, yeah. that's such kind of trippy. So it's that's it's it's trippy because like I'm on the third year now, so I have two years worth of stuff that I can look back on. Yeah, and it just brings you right back of just seeing what was going on in my life at that time, and it puts into perspective of like as cheesy as this sounds, where I'm a big musical person, mm-hmm. and my favorite musical is Rent. Yeah, and so what happens in a year 525,600 minutes yeah is so vastly different than or so vastly I guess what's the word not different but there's just so much that can fucking happen in within a year yeah in one year it doesn't feel that way but it does yeah and so it's it's that journaling has taught me also to kind of and like what we were talking about earlier where putting into perspective just going a day at a time and understanding what you can do in a day Mm. what you can do in a week what you can do in a month like sure so much can happen in a year but then within that all those little micro um, moments Mm -hmm. like so much can happen and I think that's where the the growth is it's kind of like a stock chart Mm. where if you just look at the numbers from and if you can just go monthly mm-hmm. you'll see a lot of ups and downs yeah but then if you choose to look at the entire year you'll see just a gradual rise right and so it's it's an interesting practice just to sit back and I've been trying to get back more into meditating but that's like the grounding thought within my meditation where it's like it's it's about this moment now and they talk about, oh, you got to be present, you got to be this. But then it's also, for me, just understanding how much time you really have. Mm. So it does that ever scare you to think about how much time you actually have? Has that oh, yeah. ever been a sobering experience? Yeah. Um, and again, like we were, we were talking about earlier, where it led me to really sit in understanding day at a time was when I was in California driving around it got really lonely at moments and all I was thinking was like, I just want to drive back to Vancouver now. Um, But the only thing that was keeping me there at the time where I had meetings and things like that. So if I had a meeting in the next week, I'd literally schedule my entire week by the hour just so I can cross out what I've done Hmm. and I can visually see that I'm getting closer to that date versus when I wasn't doing that and I was just sitting waiting for the meetings to happen I was like time is going by so slowly yeah so, so tripped up yeah on that. can I ask you about the loneliness yeah part of it because I think that's something we all go through especially in this business and it, it we have this kind of smoke and mirrors image right mm-hmm. sometimes where you're just showing the really cool pictures of social media and yeah. da, da, da. like but in those moments when you say that it was really lonely where do you think that was stemming from? Mm, there's a part of me that believes in connection. Mm-hmm. And which is part of the reason why I did the podcast in the first place was to make those connections again. And but I was really attached to physical connection. Okay. And the podcasting has definitely helped me understand that 
I value more emotional and mental connection versus physical, but the physical connection is, is so immediate. Right. And so just being able to sit next to somebody and talk or share a meal speaks volumes on how I'll feel after that interaction. Mm -hmm. So in those moments where it's like, it's just me and especially if I'm not in a city and I'm parked off like boondocking somewhere on the just off of a highway randomly where just it really puts into perspective of how far away people are Mm. and it just made me miss being around people wow um was this during COVID I mean we're still in COVID but mm -hmm. was this during like a peak of um, a lockdown Mm. driving or was it kind of in the middle I'd say it was more on the tail end of it. Okay. Um, but even with that, I I don't like just randomly going out to socialize. Oh, yeah. Every now and then I'll, I'll bite the bullet and I'll be like, sure, I'll go to this bar alone. I'll check out this dive bar and, and spark up a conversation. Sure. And sometimes it, you know, I'll meet somebody and have very insightful conversations. Other times, it's like, why did I come out? Right. Yeah, I hear um, that. And like one thing about the space is like I've kind of made it for me to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Even when I had my place in Vancouver where I rarely left because I had my gym in it. Mm-hmm. I had my own little garden. I had space if I wanted to meditate. I had like my balcony that I can put my hammock on and just hang out. Yeah. And so... I like creating a space and when people say like a sacred space, that's what it really felt like. Yeah. So with this, I enjoy being in it. So even though I'm like in really cool cities, it would still take some convincing for me to get out. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know when it comes to loneliness too, it's just also... I forced myself in a situation that allows me to enjoy my own company. That's really important. Yeah. Um, I mean, you are going to be with yourself for the rest of your life. Hmm. That's the only person that is guaranteed to be with you all the time. So yeah. you hope that you like being with that person. Yeah. It takes it takes some learning to do. It takes some growth to do to um to be okay with that. You mm-hmm. know. And that's why I was curious about the loneliness part of it, um, because I, I'm I'm similar in that every like I think and correct me if I'm wrong, but the impression I get from you is like your interactions are very intentional, mm-hmm. and so are mine. Like I I don't have a problem of going out and um, being in a big group, but that takes a lot out of me, and sometimes I just crave either just time by myself, yeah, in complete isolation, or just I always prefer the one on one. Or like a small group where I can actually have a, a good conversation, hear everybody and just have that for a few hours and, and then go home and be by myself. Yeah. And I never really feel lonely, but I do understand that aspect of loneliness where, um, because sometimes I feel most lonely in bigger crowds. Yeah. Oddly enough, you know. I've never felt more lonely at an industry party in LA. Hmm when I was somebody's plus one. Really? Yeah. Wow. Because it's like? it's not about me. It's mm. a, and 
fair. It's like, it's, it's about my friend, but then you're quickly not shunned, but when it's not about you or you don't really have anything to offer. And this was a Grammy party as well. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I'm, I'm nowhere near the music industry. If it was like an Oscar thing or an award, like for the Emmys or whatever, I could talk about the shows and stuff and then they get it. But then here it's just like, I'd be talking with somebody and you can kind of just see when their interest is lost. (laughs) And then another thing that I, I learned was there's so much clout in being introduced versus you just being alone at a party Mm. where I've been at parties and like I'll have my PR rep next to me and then she's making all the introductions to people shaking hands and then she'll leave Mm -hmm. but then because that introduction is made there seems to be more of an engagement happening yeah I think there's probably um, a sense of ease for people Mm because it's like oh okay I I understand who you are and where you're coming from and it's because those, those interactions are so awkward for everybody, for everybody. It's not just for us. I yeah. think on the other side too, what we forget is we're, we're so self-concerned. We're like, oh my God, I'm probably coming off as like this really annoying uh, nobody or whoever it is. You know, we all feel like we're playing imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And just on the other side, they're probably feeling that as well. Or yeah. just like, who are you and what's going on? But then you have that barrier, that not barrier, that buffer, so mm-hmm. to speak, of someone coming in and introducing you really helps the situation. So it's like a little bit more of like an ease to it. So I can understand yeah. that because you're it's kind of taking off the heavy lifting for you yeah. to, to have to go up and put yourself out there and be like, hey, I'm so-and-so. You don't know me. You probably don't want to know me, but... Um, I'm by myself and <laughs> you look cool. And I just like to have a conversation. You know what I mean? Like it's, oh, it's so awkward. I hate situations like that. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Um, Excuse me. Did you, or what's your, your visa status with the States? Do you have your O one? I have my O one. So um, when you got your O one, how did you go about getting that? So my O one uh, was through my manager in LA. Okay. Um, so he really helped me with it um, to set me up. Um, and I went through actually a lawyer in Miami. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was a great guy and and I just had to what what you typically have to do is it it sounds so gross but it's like what is it a human being of yeah extraordinary ability so the reason why I ask is because that whole needing to introduce yourself Mm -hmm. did you have to draft any references letters of references I I did did your lawyer do all that no I drafted them and then I reached out to what um, was that like so right now I'm in the I've applied for my green card. Yeah. And. Oh, because you've had your own one for a while, right? And so- I, I ha- I've been working on American projects in the States and stuff with an O2. So specific to those oh, okay. projects. Yeah. And I just figured just go straight to the green card. Hmm, okay. And it's just so weird drafting up a yeah. reference letter and then getting to that paragraph about talking about yourself. I know it's gross. I want to block it right now. <laughs> I like I do what I just I hate I and maybe this is something I need to work on because Mm. there's just this oh I don't know if you can feel it in my body right now but the uncomfortableness of having to talk myself up is just disgusting is there any sentence that stands out that you had to type out I I think tell me tell me about my brain tell me about Yvonne in these letters I can't oh I can't (laughs) I like honestly I really do think I just scrubbed it from my brain I think there would be like um 
like, what's an adjective that you use oh for yourself God, like she'd be an asset to a production <laughs> or something like that like just something i can't say it and i was always just so grateful when i reached out to people and they're like yeah. no i'll write it for you i'm like oh thank yeah. god yeah. like because it's and fair enough like I, people have asked me for reference letters and i always offer that as well but then i always give them permission I'm like hey by the way, talk your stuff up. Like I will write, like I will do it for you. But if you prefer and you're more comfortable writing it yourself, I'm like, make yourself huge. Like mm. I'm giving you permission. I will sign that off because I think the world of you, like mm. I will do it for you or you can do it. But I'm telling you, don't feel gross about it because yeah. I understand this is just what you kind of have to do. Yeah. And that, ugh, it's horrible. <laughs> it's really horrible. So I, I always go back to the when actually I sent a note to, um, one of the showrunners who got who gave me a note mm -hmm. for that and he wrote me this lovely note and i was going through files and i saw it again and i sent him a note again just to say thank you because i'm like i'm so glad i didn't have to write that myself i i don't know what it is it's yeah. just like i'm more self-deprecating i'm more comfortable living in that than i am in talk to me about that i don't know what's wrong with me Interesting. <laughs> it's i don't even think it's just you because like yeah. I've, I've spoken with other actors who went through the process and have drafted letters and there were a few that were like, oh no, I, I don't mind doing it. I, I, I like writing about myself. It's like, cool, awesome. And then there's the other ones where it's like, oh, I dreaded that part. I, I just can't because I, I think that's also how I like to work too. I'm hmm. never happy. Like I'm never satisfied with anything that I do. I'm really not. Every single time I watch something, I'm like, oh, I should have done that. I could have done this. Like Interesting. always, always. Hmm. Like, and I, I, is it a form of torture? I, I don't know. Like, am I, <laughs> hmm. it's, it's, but I think it's a way of keeping myself in check because I okay. always just, I, I have no idea to yeah, be honest, yeah. but it's just so uncomfortable for me. I can't do it. I used to, and I was, I was speaking with another friend of mine. Um, and he brought up that the understanding of taking a compliment mm -hmm. where the one thing was that he brought up that was interesting where he's like, another person's compliment is not meant to bring you down. Mm -hmm. So like for the example that he used was if he's filming and it's coverage on the other person mm -hmm. and then they do a take and then the director gives them praise, they turn it around do his cover and then they're like moving on yeah and then he had that hurdle of like trying to get over well what about my copy right. <laughs> like did I do a good job? yeah and it's like it, it took a while to um or and another thing that he he had to get used to was because it's it's common where a director will ask you or it's like are, are you good with that mm -hmm. and then what goes through your mind if that ever happens i immediately throw it back and i'm like are you good with that because i can't see the monitor hmm. right like i could feel good about it but i know i've done enough self tapes to know that like hey i felt really good about that that take and i watch them like what the fuck was that like hmm. you know and then all of a sudden the ones that i don't feel good about there was something really interesting on tape like it's just film is a weird thing hmm. and i'm talking about film in general right like you you don't know what the camera picks up and what it catches and like what you think is shit could be really great on camera yeah were you ever one to watch playback? I would love to, oh, always, but there's just never, there's never time. I can only assume, though, for Kung Fu, because of the stunt aspect, 
I have seen the stunts. Uh, so what what the stunts do, which is really great, is that they film it on their phones, mm-hmm. and so you can see the immediate. You see feedback. the angles. You see, yeah. Yeah, and so they're like, "Hey, this didn't sell. Let me show it to you." I'm like, "Okay, great." And mm. that's very different because it's a very specific. It's almost like a choreographed dance, right? Yeah. As you know, and so seeing that is like I can make those adjustments right away. Where in the acting side of it, um, I almost wonder if they do if they don't have. Look to each their own. I personally would love to see playback mm-hmm. because I'm not going to get. I'll get down on myself, but in a constructive way, be like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it better. And this is, you know, my idea. Let's go for it. Right. Mm. There's just not enough time. There's just Mm. never enough time on film. As you know, it's like TV moves so incredibly fast that, I mean, I don't even know if the directors get time to watch the playback. Mm. Like they, they're there at the monitor saying, okay, we got to move. We got to get going. Right. Mm. We got to make our day. So, um, anyway, to say all that, I, I wish I could see the playback. Have you ever, I guess seen the episode afterwards and you're like oh i should have done something else every single time really there has not been one thing i have ever done where i'm like that was perfect <laughs> there has never ever in like maybe one day when i'm old and i'm just at my whatever and i'm like a, a level of self-acceptance that oh, i'm no. not at yet uh maybe that will be the goal but no i every single time i look at something like fuck <laughs> could have done this so like not to say there aren't moments that i i don't like like Mm -hmm. there's moments i'm like okay that was all right that's fine um no but for the most part i just ruminate it in my head Mm. like i could have done that what's what's dialogue like on set then where do you ever get experimental with your takes i do i personally do um i try to make these minor adjustments Mm -hmm. and then as you know on the day too when you get in the atmosphere and you're playing with the other players usually for the first time for mm. these scenes you don't really get much rehearsal um you discover things you're like oh i kind of like that i'm going to keep that and then in the next take you kind of do something else with certain uh different iterations of things mm. and that's the play of it like that's what we're supposed to be doing um and then i always think in the back of my mind too i'm like well what's going to make it really fun for the showrunners and editors too mm. right like because we need to piece together the story we're storytellers and I don't know what everyone else is doing in other scenes throughout the episode. So I'm like, in that regard, like it's also part of my job to give variations because variations will help tell the story better. Mm -hmm. So if there's something that didn't work in one of my takes and they can use something else. Were you always confident to be experimental or how did you gain that confidence? Just preparedness. I was Mm. never always confident. I should say I'm getting there, being way more confident now. But I I find that being experimental goes hand in hand with how prepared I am. And that's knowing my lines inside out, like stone cold. Mm. So it just comes out of my mouth naturally. That's personally for me. Like I cannot go to set not being fully fully memorized on my lines because otherwise I'm just stumbling through it. You know, Mm. I never want to do that. Um, not to say that it hasn't happened sometimes where your brain just has yeah. a fart and won't work, you know. Um, but that has been synonymous for me when it comes to like preparedness and, and play. Yeah. Yeah. When I think of like just being able to know your lines back and forth mm-hmm. and just being able to say it, I go straight to like litigation scenes. Oh, so God. was that like a big learning curve or were you already into that by the time you got to family law and street legal? Um, yeah, I think those scenes for those big words for, I mean, they, they weren't too tough for me because it's, it's about the intention behind Mm -hmm. it. Right. So it's not, 
just exposition is no, it, it can't be for me. I know some words, some things you just have to get information out for mm -hmm. the interest of time and storytelling. But for me to be able to get that inside and out and for it to flow really easily, I need to understand, well, okay, but well, why am I saying this? Yeah. And so for um, street legal with any, uh, any of those scenes where I'm in litigation or uh, I don't want to use the word interrogating, but it was interrogating like a, um, somebody from the other side, mm -hmm. it would be like, okay, but what am I trying to drive at? What's the end purpose here and what's the goal? So all of those, the, the verbiage for that, that's how I got my head and my tongue around it um, for it to be stone cold. But mm -hmm. yeah, there were moments too where like, I'd just be thrown in there and especially when they change the dialogue and you're like oh crap <laughs> okay the flows the flows changed all right okay that's fine but that's also part of our job too yeah. right yeah have you always been great with memorization no it took it took a long time mm. like I always tell people memorization is a muscle yeah it, you have to keep working it like it's like any other muscle in your body yeah it will get stronger the more that you work it so now I can look at it parasites or whatever and see a few paragraphs and get it done within like an hour. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just muscle memory. Yeah. That. That's why like when it comes to, I like to use the word jargon mm -hmm. when it comes to just getting jargon out where that aspect of repetition, even if I don't understand the sentence yet, mm -hmm. I'll just repeat it because then my mouth just is used to the patterns. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I always find that fascinating when it comes to a point where you have dialogue, where when you first get the sides and you're like, I have no idea what this means. Mm -hmm. But then by the time you actually put it down, what, the way it comes out, mm -hmm. you sound like you've been doing it for decades. Yeah. Like that occupation, not yeah. acting, but like if you're a lawyer, it sounds like you, oh, did you used to be a lawyer? Did yeah. you used to be a doctor? Yeah. All that stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Yeah. Oh, man. And we'll be right back after this short message. But in the meantime, don't forget to connect with us on our Instagram, at PlayOn2013, and tell us what you think about the show. Do you like mangoes? <laughs> of course you do. And if you don't, well, I'm sure there's a high chance you might know someone who does. Well, the Two Degrees Podcast is sponsored by Peeled Fruit. No, not just random fruit that's been peeled, but the children's book about a mother's love language of peeling mango for her baby. Available for delivery on bookbaby.com, bookshop.org, Barnes & Noble, Powell's, and Amazon, just to name a few of the retailers. It even ships worldwide. Check out at Peeled Fruit Book on Instagram for more information on how to get your copy of this heartwarming story. Peeled Fruit, illustrated by Rhoda Domingo. Now, back to the show. So what's new with you? What's, what's, new, what's new in the world of you? Oh, oh one thing I, I wanted to talk about too, yeah. um, Avatar. Mm -hmm. yeah. Avatar Kyoshi? Yeah. Yeah. The because <laughs> uh, I'm I'm a fan of of the Are series you? as well. Sweet. Yeah. So like, tell me about that. Tell me about that experience. And oh. were you a fan? Yeah. Um. And I I watched it a while ago, mm -hmm. and then I rewatched it when I got the part, and then I was reading the Kiyoshi books, which are fantastic. Yeah. They're so good. I like this character. Um. 
I mean, she's incredible. Hmm. Her, again, her backstory, another tragic one. I don't know what that says about me that I'm so, <laughs> I mean, I just, I love the tragic backstories. Um, no, but she's so rich yeah. and I, I was terrified, hmm. terrified because I, I know that it has a huge fan base, yeah. a loyal fan base. I know that Kyoshi is a, obviously like all the avatars are bigger yeah. than life. And I was, I'm like, I don't want to disappoint anybody. Mm. From Kyoshi in the show, it's like flashback. Mm -hmm. Is this flashback or do we get to see you do some earthbending? I can't say anything. Okay. All right. Fair. Not until Netflix, uh, that's me. <laughs> okay. When... But that's fair enough. I don't want to spoil anything mm. for anybody. But all I can say really is that, um, like, I think fans of the original yeah. are just going to be really, really happy with this. Because nice. the way that they've kept true their story, but also... It's just so satisfying. Yeah. It's so satisfying and it's beautiful. Nice. From what I've seen so far on set and, you know, just from like screen grabs of what they were shooting, I'm like, this is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. They've really paid attention to detail. Hmm. Really have. Like the team knows um, the audience yeah. and I think they, they're huge fans of it themselves. Like everybody that I've gone into when I, when I met them, you know, from wardrobe to hair to everybody on that set, they are gushing about how much they love the anime series. They're yeah. gushing about how nice. like it is a dream for them to work on this project because they're such huge fans of the source material. Wow. Yeah. And so when you hear that, I'm like, there's no way that they're not doing this wrong. Like they really, oh my God, That's I'm cool. just really excited for everyone to see it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Tell me about the process of getting into character. Cause I'm, I'm curious to hear your perspective on, what the makeup and wardrobe did for you mm, huge i mean it, mm. it, not just for kiyoshi but honestly for any any project yeah um the hair and makeup is is stepping into another skin for me is it just is it a inaccurate assumption for me to say that kiyoshi would have been the most not outlandish but like when it comes to hair and makeup that was the biggest transformation i i've seen some big transformations on that show mm. oh for me for you yeah for me out of um, all the characters that you've done because like for street oh, yeah. legal okay i'm sure you've put sure. on a blazer before yeah <laughs> <laughs> for street legal it was fun because like i cut my hair in a way mm -hmm. that i would never do for mm. my own um i just you know there's certain mannerisms that i tried to put in like so that for me at kiyoshi visually just and and just on the hair makeup and wardrobe side yes it was definitely the biggest transformation that i've done so far yeah um it, they went full out for that wow. which is amazing like you just but you know how it is you step into like this uh other worldly kind of costume mm -hmm. and makeup and you're like this isn't me yeah. now i'm this person and it it just helps with that psych psychological aspect of stepping in into all of it the being of that person there's a a quote from sir ian mckellen mm. where he's like some days it, it's just hard to find the character mm -hmm. until he gets into wardrobe and makeup mm -hmm. and then he looks in the mirror and he's like oh there's there's the character yeah was that the same type of feeling for you or did you already know what you had in mind for this character well i think for kiyoshi because they're so close to what she the source material mm. is like i just looking at photos i'm like bang on right mm. like they did a exact um, no spoiler words there, but I mean, of course, I think people will be happy to know that they did exactly. So, um, looking at that, I'm like, yeah, that's what I expected, and that's what I hoped it nice. was, and it was. Um, for other things too, I I personally don't like having to say in wardrobe and, and hair and things. Hmm. 
Um, for me, I, I think it's more fun when I let the creative team just do what, what it is that they want to do. Um, because I want them, I want to understand the vision that the showrunners or whoever, you know, or the yeah. producers and the director, whoever, what they thought. And then for me, I love the challenge of being like, okay, now let me marry the two. Mm. Because there's one aspect that I think of, but mine is more emotional than it is physical for a character. And it's not until that emotional matches that physical, then I marry the two. Um, so even for like street legal, for example, yeah, we had a collaborative effort of like, but this is their idea for her hair. This is how the, the vibe that she had. This is a wardrobe for her. I'm like, it makes sense. Cool. Like, so that haircut was their idea and you yeah. said yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I'm all for like playing for that. Like I will go drastic if people want yeah. me to go drastic. I think it's fun. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm desperate for, for the role. No, the first one that pops into my mind is, um, John, John Bernthal. Um, he played Punisher mm -hmm. and, but his role in the walking dead where he had to shave his head. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I just want that role. You want that I, one, I hey? just want that role, that yeah. moment and to like enjoy that character arc yeah. of like going into a show with a head of hair mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden having that crack mm -hmm. where it's just like my character's done with this shit yeah. and just shaves everything. Yeah, that's that's a goal. Yeah. It's fun because I think that physical change, whether it be between um, within that season, like he did, mm -hmm. it's it's symbolic too of, the, of this again the emotional and the psychological change of a character. Yeah. Um, because now he's stepping into something different, so something else has to change physically, right? It's kind of like the same thing you see in real life when people just have a moment of like, I just want to change. Yeah, they like do? they dye their hair. My hair was like down it to was. here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> did you donate it? I still have it. You still I, have it. I technically can't donate it to a lot of places because there's color in it. Oh, that's why. Yeah. yeah. I remember I donated my hair when I cut it for street legal. Mm. Yeah. Cause I was luckily like my, the color grew out. So yeah. I, it was like, I don't nice. know, seven inches. And up. that was, that's the thing that like, I'm going with this is like, I'm going to grow this now. Mm -hmm. So then if it leads me to have to cut it again, at least I can donate it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. But, uh, and in the meantime, we got a keepsake of what it was. <laughs> It yeah. was it was a it was a look for sure. Yeah. Um, and then that was like the first thing that when I cut it, the first thought was like, "Fuck, I need new headshots now." Yeah. I gotta <laughs> show. Did that? Sent that to my manager, and I was just like, "All right." I'm always here's... curious about that though, because like, I still know it's you. Hmm. You know, like the whole headshot thing. I'm like, do people really need that anymore? I mean, it seems well, like such an old school thing. One one thing that I learned is the long hair was a no-no for some networks really um rhymes with ball mark uh, okay <laughs> well <laughs> i like how you changed one letter <laughs> that's how it rhymes that's how it rhymes that's that's, is the, ball that's mark the even a word <laughs> it's a brand it's a brand you know it's... what though? i'm trying to think of another word and i can't so exactly <laughs> So I've, I've luckily I've, I've been part of a production, but then it's like with that, the, the character needed to look very Island like, mm -hmm. so then they love the long hair. Oh, great. But then it's like, that's, that's not typically the, the lead that falls in love and stuff. Right. So it's like, yeah. that's still um, a goal of mine to right. have that moment, that cheesy moment. Like mm -hmm. there's, there's, 
other very romantic scenes that I'd love to be a part of yeah. in like an HBO series. Is HBO still around? Yeah. They are? Yeah. Are there, I, I, for some reason, thought that, or it was just boxing. They lost the boxing rights. Oh, so okay. there's no more HBO boxing. I, you're talking to the wrong girl. Fair. I don't know about <laughs> anything with the sports. I'm like, um, I know HBO is still around, but. Anyways. But uh, yeah, where it's like, it's, it's a completely different type of falling in love where I grew up on rom-coms and stuff. Mm. And it's like that type of cheesy moment is something that I'm hoping to one day get to do. Yeah. And so. I hope so too. That's, that's the thing. It's like, they don't like long hair. And it's specific to their demographic too. They right. just want clean cut. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I I mean I hope that that changes because it's like it's just part of the ongoing dialogue, right? Mm. Of of the type of look yeah. that's acceptable for whatever reason. Um. But that's interesting. Like I have you ever found that there like because of your long hair, you just did you ever get the feedback that no, he's just not he's not getting the role even though they're like you know i can I cut casting, it though right i had a casting director tell me directly really it was like oh well they they just don't like her hair hmm. i was like cool yeah <laughs> yeah no thanks yeah but you weren't you weren't like being like oh i'll cut it though or you know i mentioned that but yeah. then i don't know it's like it's just which is funny it's just funny to me because it's like there's so many things that can be changed mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Especially if you really like the role and they like you or whatever. Yeah. And if it's just like a hair thing, then it's a discussion of like, okay, why don't you like the hair? Yeah. Um, but you know, that can be changed. <laughs> like anything it's not, can be changed. Anything though, can be where, changed. Yeah. Where, and then I'm I'm hoping to one day get to the point where it's like getting prosthetics and stuff to completely change my look. Oh yeah. And first thing that pops into my mind is um Colin Farrell as Joe as a penguin. Mm -hmm. And it's like I just it's you look at him and it's like that that person that's mm -hmm. on screen could have easily been another actor yeah but then it's like no this guy's talent is just so impeccable we're gonna take him and just make him look like somebody else right and uh, who was I oh yeah a friend of ours was working on Star Trek hmm. and um he had a story that uh Jeff Bezos huge fan of Star Trek hmm. huge that he came on set one day and they just threw him in the background as an extra but he had all these prosthetics on him and he showed me a picture of what Jeff Bezos looked like and it was like full on alien I'm like that is so cool that so I'm like but that would take he said that he was in a chair careful with you what you wish for I mean I I'm a huge fan of like the prosthetics and like I'll go mm -hmm. for it but they're getting better now okay where it's faster to get like, it on um, Jennifer Lawrence it as um, a mystique right yeah where the first movie they literally had to paint her body and paste each scale right and then by the end of it they're like here's a bodysuit great yeah that <laughs> yeah. would help tremendously so that's that's like a big thing and it's it's funny you mentioned with jeff bezos i think my favorite cameo of just fandom in general was daniel craig in star wars mm -hmm. he was a stormtrooper was he really so he had a mask on okay and it's like, what? you're Daniel Craig. You're like, you're so iconic. And you chose to be in this film for a one-liner. Yeah, because he loves it. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like, that's also another, I guess, milestone or goal. An actor goal is mm -hmm. like to be at a point where I'm just like, hey, I really like this mm -hmm. show, this franchise, whatever this is. Get me in whatever role they have. 
You know what I love about that though? Because it shows that there's no ego. Hmm. Like why, why not? Like yeah. why not go in for one line? Like, yeah, he's Daniel Craig, but like also he's the human being. who's just as a fan of the show. Like mm-hmm. I, I just, that to me is so nice to, to hear that because I, I can't stand ego and Fair. there's a lot of it, you know? When So with that, where does your head go when it comes to giving a new actor that opportunity instead of somebody that's already been established yeah why not i mean like i what's i i can't remember the actual name of the rule now but it's where 80 percent of people do or sorry 20 percent of people do 80 percent of the work and hmm. i i get i understand that there's um there there's a sense of well we we have to see that they can actually do it mm-hmm. but then it's such a vicious cycle because it's like well what if someone's really good yeah and they haven't been given that chance yet and like, why not? Like, I, I we need to share more of it, especially if we're talking about, like, like there's so much TV, there's so much content right now, and mm-hmm. the demand is just always there, yeah. as far as I can see. Um, why not have people, uh, other people show up and see what they can do? I mean, that kind of gives us more of the variety of what real life looks like anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you start seeing the same group of people do things over and over and over again, like, amazing for them but there's so many other people there that deserve their shot yeah why not like I was we were one of those like I still am (laughs) like who am I kidding you know like I still want a shot at so many different things Mm -hmm. and I'm just begging as long as I keep working really hard at it like I'm begging for that opportunity but you know and and I'm saying that as somebody who's been really fortunate to make this my full-time gig but I was there we both were at the beginning where we're just begging for that shot I think everybody deserves that if, if they're working hard at it and they're good and the, you know, why not showcase new talent? I think we need it. So then what's your opinion then if it's like, so you have Daniel Craig who's like, hey, I want to be part of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And then the producers are like, all right, we'll give you this one line versus producers finding an actor who's still fresh, but can do Oh, this. I see. I mean, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, well, that's, yeah, that's a tough position to be in because again we have to also understand that it is a business and to have daniel craig even just for one line lends something to that yeah um and arguably like that one line is that going to do a huge amount for that what for that actor in the mm-hmm. mask is it i don't know like i i think what i think there's a difference between that kind of opportunity and yeah star wars is a huge franchise but it's one line right like i I think I'm more referring to the fact of giving them the chance for something that's really substantial that Mm. can really show their chops, you know, like that to me, I think is more of a differentiating factor than a one line in star Wars. One thing that I've, I noticed, and it's, it's a very, it's more predominant in the States where the IMDB page is Mm -hmm. like, it has to be pristine, if you will. Oh, really? Where I think if you have on your IMDb page that it says that you were part of Star Wars, I think yeah. there's credit to that. What's your yeah. opinion on, on that? I'm so bad. I'm so bad with this because I, like, my whole motto has been, like, I just need to focus on my work. And Agreed. everything yeah. else will follow as it follows with the IMDb, mm-hmm. with, like, social media, whatever you want to call it. I for me, I'm just like, I just really just want to do my work. And so when it comes to that, like, I have no idea. I have no, I'm sure it does. I'm I'm sure it does because it's like, it says that they worked with some really credible names and people who are 
incredibly talented, yeah. right? Of the Star Wars franchise because they're leading Star Wars. That's a huge IP mm-hmm. um, that's not to be taken lightly and has a huge fan base. So yeah, I'm sure it does hold a lot of weight. I think, um, you know, I, I'm sure any actor, Daniel Craig or not, would be thrilled to be on that project. I know I would. Absolutely, I would. Mm-hmm. Now, if we're going to split hairs and say, like, who should it go to? I mean, I don't know. But um, I I am all for giving people chances um, to show what they can do. And so yeah. for me, I'm looking at that and saying, okay, Daniel Craig being part of the project does a lot for that project. Now, if you're going to slide other people in there, there are more, like, unknowns. Like, uh, I know... Daisy Ridley has done other stuff before, Mm -hmm. but that made her a name, right? And so putting someone in that position like her, giving her that shot as opposed to an already established household name, that's what I'm talking about instead of the one line. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, that's, 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 that's so lucrative because, yeah, we all, every actor going into it, I wouldn't even just say it's within acting because when I used to fight and compete, like, I, I probably when I was only at my second or third fight, I was like, I want a shot at the champ. Sure. I want, <laughs> I want the big fight. Right. And it's like, it's, it's just that we get so eager to want to prove ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think we lose sight of just enjoying the journey. Yeah. I mean, I remember there's one thing that I uh, didn't get that just killed me because I really, really wanted it. Um, but looking back, I'm like, I wasn't ready. Mm. I wasn't ready. Yeah, like, yeah. I, it was, I was testing for something. They flew me out to London. I met with a team. It was, it was this amazing project. And I just thought, okay, well, they flew me all the way out. I think it was between me and two other girls, right? And I'm like, of course, like, I think I got a good shot at this. And when I didn't get it, I was heartbroken, but then looking back, I'm like, I wasn't ready for that. I, like, I was still pretty green. And yeah. I, I think, you know, you get these stars in your eyes, the rose colored glasses of like, oh, great, I got my shot. I'm going to get my shot. But then looking back, I'm like, no, they knew I wasn't ready. Hmm. I knew I wasn't ready, but I still just wanted to do it and, and do it anyway. Yeah. But does that really help you? I don't know. Mm. Like, mm. I think there has to be, again, the, uh, during the process of like knowing what you're doing, staying in training, getting those roles incrementally, like everybody else does. Like you start from a junior position and you work your way up to senior analyst. Like I'm just putting in my old, you know, corporate days, but that's how it is. You don't get to be CEO on day one. Mm. You have to work your way up and be thankful to work your way up because you don't want to bomb, Yeah. you know, because yeah. then that's a career killer. When was the last time, just based off of what you just said, where it's mm-hmm. like, you can admit that you weren't ready. When mm-hmm. was the last time you watched some of your early self-tapes? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do keep all of mine because I like to see progression. I don't view them often, but, you know, sometimes when you submit a self-tape and then you save it in the same spot, you're like, oh, God, yeah. what was this? And, yeah, you, yeah. and you're, you click on it, you're like, oh, shit, that was bad. Um, you know what's interesting? There's been... And this comes back to the essence of a person and when something is just right for them. Mm. I've looked at tapes before where I've tested, like gone onto network testing for projects. I'm like, that wasn't good. In mm. my opinion, I'm like, that wasn't very good. Mm. But there must have just been something about me or whatever it is that they liked that really fit the role in the project. Again, what's meant for you won't miss you, yeah. right? Like yeah. there's the casting is an artwork. And 
or art form, I should say. And it's just like, they just can understand when someone's just right for the role, right? Even if the audition tape wasn't fantastic, which mine weren't. Yeah. It's like, they just, there's just something there. Like you hear stories of like people who didn't even say a word and they walk into a room and it's just something about how they carry themselves and who they are and that presence. They're like, that's a guy, mm-hmm. that's a girl. And like, they didn't even have to read. Like mm. the, the reading they didn't know, even matter. Yeah. They just know. Mm. Um, it's all a mystery, yeah. so to speak. It's just subjective, right? Were you, what is your relationship with uh, the audition process? And were you happy when everything went self-tapes? Uh, when everything went self-tapes. I, I like the audition process now. Self-tapes, I find I get to play a lot more and have more fun. Hmm. I'm not a person that does like 20 takes per one. I cap it at like four, maybe five at the yeah. most because I'm like, now I'm just splitting hairs and I'm starting to like do the same thing. I don't want to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do miss the in, ro- in room because in room is like this almost immediate feedback that you can get from a casting director or the vibe or whatever. Mm-hmm. I miss being able to go to a callback and see what, what the team is like. Um, I just miss in-person interaction, you know? Yeah, I, I think... Because for me too, I missed in room for the purpose that I feel like I'm a lot more personable mm. than a lot of other people. Mm. And I get compliments on that whenever I meet somebody for the first time. Mm. The first time my manager sent me off for generals, he was surprised because I'm pretty laid back and I'm just very succinct with my messages and what I have to say and he was like they loved you great and it's like but he doesn't see like that whole bubbly side of me mm. when it comes to those types of interactions oh he doesn't so he was he was like impressed or he's like oh, why I, don't you show him that <laughs> I'm just joking <laughs> but like with that where I feel like if two actors are seen on tape there is a chance very small chance but there is a chance that you both could make the exact same choices mm-hmm. but so in the room as well right? but then in the room the thing that i feel separates the actors now is what happens before they start rolling and after rolling oh i see okay. because especially back in the day i spoke with a casting director on this and he said that back in the day auditions were important to see if the director could work with the actor i see not necessarily how good of an actor they were but Mm -hmm. like the concept of taking notes being able to see a person how they walk in and how they present themselves it's a clear indication how they would show up on set right and the energy that they're going to bring to set right so i feel like that was to my advantage when i first especially when i first came to vancouver and Mm -hmm. i was in the room and i was leaving impressions right right and so that's one thing I missed about the room yeah for sure yeah. now you said that your relationship with the audition process now is good what mm-hmm. was it like before I think it was just um I put a lot of pressure on myself to try to make something of this right away hmm. and um you know I think at the beginning everything was really really precious every single audition was really precious every like kind of inching towards any kind of booking was really precious to the point that I mean I just didn't understand one how many people were going up for certain things and just the audition process in general so when 
when I was doing all these tapes and not getting anywhere, or getting anything, I just got really down on myself. And I, and then I took it to the audition being the success of it being booking the role, mm. as opposed to just having fun with the audition and just being able to act and put into practice what I've been wanting to do for a really long time. So then when I switched my mindset and said, well, this is the work and this is me having fun. And this is me getting a, an opportunity to show what I can do. And it doesn't matter if I book the role, then everything changed. You know, um, because before it was, like I said, like I came from a very different place in life and gave all of it up to try to do this. So everything, yeah, would have been really precious to me, but that was not, I don't want to say it was a mistake. It was just a learning process to be like, I couldn't do that and have a healthy mentality to stay in this business. So I had to change my mentality, had to change my mindset to continue on with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So now I like it. I know. I don't know how many actors could say that, but now yeah. I like it. Um, I like I like just having the opportunity to play. And I think I'm starting to feel a little bit more comfortable with taking chances, like throwing an accent that they didn't ask for, <laughs> you know, like certain things. Like I'll read the script and like the way that they written her. I'm just thinking of this right now yeah. and I can't get it out of my head. So I'm just going to do this for me and I'm going to throw that out there and just see what happens. Because yeah. why the hell not? <laughs> I'll toss in a blooper every now and oh then. yeah because like again the process is fun and i'm having yeah. fun with it yeah and with that that's what i brought to the room so why not still keep that in my auditions sure where we get we get so heady about this stuff too because i remember there were audition workshops and classes and i'm not going to say which ones mm-hmm. but you go to those and they basically teach everybody to be the same yeah and they say you know they have rules of props and they have rules of of like the way you're supposed to dress and how you're supposed to talk in the Mm. audition and everything like that. And it's just putting these parameters of being just play on the safe side. Always, always, always. I mean, obviously with the exception of like, don't ever go into audition room with like even a fake weapon. That's just stupid. Mm. Right. Like you don't want anyone to feel unsafe, but like other things, like if it makes you feel good to dress up in a certain way for a character, do it. If it makes you feel like, if you want to bring in like a fake cigarette or something like a rolled up piece of paper to kind of give an indication of a certain attitude, whatever, if that's how you're seeing it, why not? Like, it, it, I like how you did the <laughs> rolled this, up cigarette. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, I I just think sometimes I take all that advice mm-hmm. with a grain of salt because I understand it's with good intention that they're like, okay, this is just how you should behave and and be in the room or whatever but then I think it stops people from really being themselves because they're scared to um and isn't the whole point of the authenticity of yourself shining through so they can see that and and marry that to a role I don't know with that workshop too did you ever find that you used to hold all these rules to such high standard that it put casting on a pedestal in a way Always. Yeah. 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 And I feel that's a very Canadian stereotype. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Cause I was just terrified I was going to do something wrong mm-hmm. in the waiting room, signing the forms, like yeah. going in, like the way I presented myself, it was just like all, like, it felt like I had to put on a show. Mm. Um, Did for- you ever have a moment where when you first started auditioning in the States mm-hmm. that you realized how much more risks you can take that you weren't taking Canadian casting rooms? I wouldn't, I actually would say they were both the same. Hmm. Um, So I think I, 
I think I would like to kind of break down that stereotype of the Canadian actor because it it follows us us around too much and it's annoying as hell. You know what I mean? Like like, we're just different geographically. I get it. Like I I like the stereotype of us being friendly. I think we really are. Mm -hmm. All that to be said, I actually felt like in LA that there was more of this nervousness than there was in Canada. Hmm. And maybe it's because Vancouver is a smaller market and people know each other more. I think it's just Vancouver. Yeah, maybe. Because I remember when I first came here, there was just an air of easiness in the waiting room mm-hmm. that I didn't experience in Toronto. Really? Yeah. So Toronto, was it more like LA where it's like people are looking at you like... Your competition. Yeah. And yeah. it's like... But it's 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 not so much that it's a level of easiness here as opposed to what it was in Toronto or LA, but it's like the people that I'd see in the rooms, they, they just be chatting away. Mm. Like I've been in a situation where the casting director had to come out and ask the people in the waiting room to like quiet down. <laughs> and it's like, it just put things in perspective where, and I feel like that's where I benefited because my level of seriousness towards getting into character mm-hmm. and taking just like the taking the moments before I go into the room to prep myself mm-hmm. as opposed to just chilling there it's like do you guys have the confidence that you're going to get this is that what I'm missing oh I see where because like yeah. there's there's it's just it's foreign to me and it, it still is and um seeing people not in some kind of zone before they go in and I only experienced that in Vancouver Wow. I think I, I've seen both. And um, I think people are respectful enough here that especially if they know you're going into a scene that's uh, emotionally wrought, mm-hmm. you know, or something that requires a little bit more of like um, just a quietness right before yeah. going in. Um, I think sometimes when people get super chatty, it's it's out of nervousness. Mm. Um but I do feel that even when it's a quiet room in the waiting room, there's still a level of ease in Vancouver because I think we just are so familiar with each other. Yeah. Like a lot of the actors know each other and it's like a respect level thing. It's just like, yeah, we're cool. And I, I about the competition thing too, I've, I've really, I ascribe to the fact that there is no competition. And what I mean by that is that I, because I saw, I've sat on the other side of it, you know, casting like indies and stuff doesn't even if someone makes the same choice they're not going to deliver it the same way yeah yeah and there's just everybody is so different like i could see twins and they'll read it differently you know um so when i think about that i'm like i'm just going to eliminate the idea that there's this like there can only be one of us and yeah i get it only one person could get the role whatever mm-hmm. but the right person's going to get that role yeah and for, for my mindset towards that is like i like competition mm-hmm But at the same time, we're all on the same team. So while I'm rooting for you and I'm rooting for me, I look at it from the perspective of, especially if you guys are friends, Mm -hmm. iron sharpens iron. I agree. Yeah. And so like, if I see all the work that you're putting in, it's only going to motivate me. Totally. And also just to prop, again, to prop each other up. Mm -hmm. The worst, the worst is when you tell a friend, that you book something and the first thing comes out of their mouth. Oh, I wish I was doing that. You know, yeah, like, it's yeah. just kind of this grossness of like, I, I want to be able to celebrate with you. And especially in the other, on the other side of it, mm-hmm. if they tell you like, that's amazing. I'm so happy for you. And you're just there for them. It, it really kind of weeds out that kind of mentality yeah. of like, and Oh, you see me as competition. And, yeah. yeah. Um, 
you used a very specific word earlier and I think and it wasn't until now that I like put it together but it's like for me I think it's competition not comparison and people tend to confuse the two where if somebody's competition it means that they have something different that you don't have mm. where people then start to compare themselves to other actors and they try to for whatever reason get better than mm -hmm. that actor mm -hmm. where I think just being able to sit in the mentality of okay this person is going out for the same roles as you the reality is the situation makes this person competition but accepting the fact that if it goes to you it goes to you if it doesn't doesn't mm. and yeah just back to that whole mentality of iron sharpens iron if, if you respect this person i genuinely think it's you're only going to learn yeah i i look at it more of like when it comes to other people collaboration that's it yeah i don't look at competition i don't look at comparison it's just collaboration mm -hmm. are we collaborating like you said on the same team where we're going to help each other out and whoever gets the role gets the role like i'm not even concerned about that mm -hmm. And the competition for me, it's just a competition with myself. Mm. I just, I, that's the only thing I can measure is what am I, am I just getting better? Am I wanting to get better? Is, is something being shaken off where uh, I'm progressing in a way because I, I can't, I, I can't measure it for anybody else. Mm -hmm. I can be there for them and, and collaborate with them and help them in whatever way that they need. But with myself, I can only be in competition with myself. And then it just makes everything else a lot more friendly and easier and, and yeah. just an easier time to live in this world you know in this yeah. industry and yeah I've completely eliminated the word competition mm. and comparison with other people in this and not to say that it, those feelings don't creep up once in a while because I'm human and it will mm -hmm. um, but I just go back to them like no because if you're authentic your authenticity will eliminate your comp competition so to speak you know like it eliminates the need for competition the need for yourself to validate yourself or or to get that validation through comparison yeah um i i just don't i i can't ascribe to it it just doesn't help yeah. me in any way i think to to echo off you as well with that where i think when people come into this industry they think that there's only one lane yeah and i think that's where the competition becomes something that can destroy you mm -hmm. because you think that the lane that this person is taking is the one that you should also be on. Right. Right. And I think people, what I, what I, it was really helped me is that I learned to define what success means to me, mm. as opposed to what the definition is in general in society in general, like what people, people's expectations of me are. Yeah. Um, because who said that, that one lane or another lane or whatever it is that's the measure of success like why can't it be your own lane at your own time at your own progression of what you're doing if you want to do something completely different from this if you all of a sudden want to step back and do something else like who's to say that that's not success i i just don't like those all all covering definitions of what success looks like um because it just isn't true <laughs> it's not healthy either right like it's I, I've dealt with it too in, in you know my past world it's like if I wasn't 
so-and-so with a certain title and house and car and all this to say by a certain age, oh, that I failed in a certain way by measurement of what? What was what was that age for you? It was like 30 okay. for some reason. It was like, oh, by the time you're 30, if you're not like, and again, I don't even know where it came from. Mine was 25. I was like, I'm going to have a house and married and two kids. By right. I know. And a lot of people put that expectation because yeah. that's what the normal. So wherever that comes from, society says like, oh, that's what you should have by this age for whatever reason. And you're like, but why? Yeah. Who said that? And why does it matter? In, and I think because we've been going forever. And yeah. Like you said you got to oh, yeah, get ahead. But yeah. um, in line with that, especially especially after seeing turning red mm-hmm. and oh, I love everything it. everywhere all at once i'm seeing that's what i'm seeing soon yeah. i'm gonna watch it tonight yeah. um it's the trend of learning that nobody knows what the fuck they're doing yeah and it just We're all just it, trying <laughs> it put into perspective where it's like if i don't know what i'm doing and i don't know what it means to be an adult mm-hmm. then my parents didn't know mm, that's a really good point right? yes and it's like when we're growing up, we think, and it's probably why we wanted to be adults so quickly, mm-hmm. is because we look at adults and we're like, oh, they have all the answers. But right. the reality is they don't. And they're just going by as as we're trying to get by. And yeah. then like the the pressures that they put on us are based off of what they needed to do to get by. The, I think something that's also been very helpful for me to, to tell myself, but also to extend to other people is that everybody is always trying the best that they can in any circumstance Mm. just because your standards for what the best looks like Mm. doesn't they're not living up to whatever that standard is which is garbage it's like you have to understand that at the moment for whatever faculties they have right now and whatever situation there is of course everyone's always trying their best Mm. that's what they that's what people can manage right now even if it doesn't look that way it it is Mm. that's that's what i believe anyway um it takes people different times, different different rhythms to get to a certain place. But it's like in this moment, at this time, you're really just trying your best. Mm. And none of us, yeah, none of us know what we're doing. We just we're we're trying to tell people, okay, I think I think this worked for me in the past, or um, or you're going up to other people. I know I always am being like, what do I do? Because we all just want answers, but you just the only way you can get the answers is just to do it. Yeah, yeah. you just gotta try. And put yourself out there and do something because otherwise you're just hearing a lot of noise and and then yeah. what yeah <laughs> so uh, yeah that's a great way to end this yeah <laughs> that's a great note for it's sure. a great talk it's fun but uh yeah thank you so much for coming out and for coming out to the truck this is such a cool <laughs> truck i'm very impressed that you did this by scratch oh, thank um you. Yeah. if everyone can see what this looks like I'm, i can't even imagine <laughs> starting a project like this so good on you <sighs> Yeah, it's 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 been uh, as I mentioned, like the only thing I can describe it is it's been an adventure. That's, Good. Yeah, that's it. You gotta you gotta give them more about that. And that was originally supposed to be like the purpose of this was mm-hmm. to talk more about the adventures and what I'm going through while being on the road. Mm-hmm. But then while bringing people on, I'm just so fascinated with finding out what other people are doing and what mm-hmm. their thought process is for my own cathartic purposes. Sure. Because then, especially hearing when people go through similar things that I did, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm going to be okay. Yes, of course. <laughs> You're always going to be great. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I next talk, I'm just, I'm so interested to hear, like, what you've been learning. Because you've been, you've been doing something that I think a lot of people have been thought, 
thought about doing, you know, like just kind of escaping and, and just stripping away at certain things and living, living in a certain way that um, takes away a lot of, if I can say pressure of what other expectations are. Yes. But then there's also the pressures that come from people that are like, what are you doing? Oh, but everyone always says that. I got that. Yeah. I left a really good job and people are like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Everyone's going to say that when, when you go like, because the reason is this is different and different Mm -hmm. is threatening to people, whether they want to admit it or not. So that's just a projection of their own feelings. Yeah. Right. Because like I've expressed to people and I think I mentioned it too on the podcast where it's like the reason why I did this is I just wanted to get back to my needs versus my wants. Mm. And I found myself at a very greedy place of just wanting a lot of shit. Interesting. And I accumulated so much crap. Mm. And that was a testament when I moved out where the only thing that I kept from my place were these chairs. Right. And everything else I built here and for, for its own specific purpose. And it's given me that grounding thought of like, okay, let's see what I, what I need. Mm-hmm. Especially when I go to places and like, I, I'll see souvenirs and things. I'm like, okay, where in the truck am I going to put this? Do mm-hmm. I really need this? Mm-hmm. And if I do, I'll get it and then I'll find a place right here. But majority of the times I'll put it back on my shelf. Wow. It speaks volumes, really it does, because I don't think a lot of people would be able to say goodbye to those yeah. um, comforts, you know, yeah. certain comforts. And when you strip all that away, you're like, I didn't need any of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's like the, the key to just living is yeah. just knowing that you have enough to live. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. when I drove down from Calgary to Vancouver, um, I took maybe not even a quarter of what I owned mm. in that car with me. And then I used half of that in the car so and I came from having you know like I, I really I, I don't mean this to break it's just to give set up of like what I had I, I had like a, a massive condo um a walk-in closet that was stuffed with things you know and I and then I packed up my little Honda Civic and drove out here and I'm like I didn't need any of that I came out here with three suitcases yeah that's all like what else do you need yeah um and it just, it makes you focus on different things. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. that's that. And I think that's like, that's just where we're trying to get to mm-hmm. is, and one thing too, like I'm, I'm excited for is, is when we wrap up uh, the, the first season of the podcast where I'm going to take a nice break from social media. Cause like the yeah. big thing that's like really locking me into it mm-hmm. is the fact that, Oh, we have a new episode this week. Let me, let me get the word out. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I feel, I feel like I put myself into that prison, Mm. but like this, where it's just like taking a day at a time, Mm -hmm. we just get it out. Last uh, episode for the season is next Thursday. Yeah. And then I just get to relax. Yeah. Good. Do it. Go. Are you going to go on a road trip? I don't know. Well, we'll I'm definitely going to be doing that in the summertime though, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Do it. I just got back from a road trip. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You forget you. Like, you're like. On the road right now, yeah. right? Yeah. And I, I got a motorcycle too, so I'm going to oh, head out on that and just explore, nice. especially we got some good weather today. It's not yeah. raining for the first We're doing time this afternoon. Yeah. All right. I should probably head, but this is really great. Thanks for coming. Everybody, Yvonne Chapman, check her out. Thank um, you, guys. Avatar is 
probably going to come out when this episode drops. So check it out. Check out what she does. Ooh, I don't know. Avatar, I think it's not going to be out for until next year at some point. Yeah. When is this? Oh, okay. Great. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I have, I have no idea. I have no idea when it's coming out, but mm-hmm. um, hopefully it'll coincide. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I guess to stay up to date with that, follow her on cool. Instagram. Thanks, guys. YP, YP Chapman? YP Chapman. YP Chapman. What's the, what's the P? Uh, Pan. P-A-N-N. My... Bon Pan Chapman. Cool. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming out. <laughs> you Sweet. Thank you all for tuning in. Artwork by Monique Lizardo. Music by Kate Cole. If you enjoy the podcast, please like, subscribe, share, tag us, whatever all the fun things people do when they like something. But most importantly, check out www.letsplayon.org for the Play On Foundation and lend your voice in bringing awareness to the neurological research for brain aneurysm detection and prevention. My name's Javi. See you next time on the Two Degrees Podcast. <laughs>